I've been on a series on Friday night talking about the uh, amazing activity of Jesus and his earthly ministry. And I want to just focus on this one statement out of Acts chapter 10, verse 38, because I think it summarizes and articulates what I've been trying to say on Friday nights in such a succinct way. And it was Peter's, Peter's uh, iteration that the Holy Spirit put on him. And he said in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how, and it's, it's underscored by what Jesus said in uh, Luke chapter four about the spirit of the Lord being upon him. Notice this, it says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth. A lot of people know something about Jesus, but you could actually know Jesus. You could know him personally. You could come to know him and, and, and not just know about him. And that shift will really help us. And that's what we're trying to do today. We're always trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And how God anointed him, empowered him, energized him, infused the, the supernatural into him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Can I hear an amen? amen? So we see throughout the Bible, example after example. I've talked to you about Zacchaeus, the man that ran through the crowd near Jericho, climbed a sycamore tree, so he, he was desperate to see Jesus. Uh, Bartimaeus, near the same area of town, blind, but yet had heard about Jesus and miracles were accompanying his ministry and he kept crying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he got a great result. Jesus said, what, arise, you take courage. The master's calling. He said, what can I do for you? He said, oh, that I would receive my sight. And the blind eyes were open. And we see that over and over and over again. The Syrophoenician woman had a daughter that was uh, vexed by a spirit, a demonic oppression. And she got set free because uh, she connected with Jesus. Jairus, the, the synagogue official, he threw himself at Jesus' feet, desperate. He said, my daughter is at home dying. Jesus said, I'll go to your house. And on his way there, a woman with a hemorrhage pressed through the crowd, uninvited, touched the hem of his garment. Jesus felt something called virtue come out of him. And uh, he said, who touched me? And the disciples were like, duh, all, all these people are bumping into you, Lord. And he said, no, no, who touched me, though? And there's a difference between bumping into Jesus and really tapping into what he has. There's a difference between passivity and then being active. And faith is, has aspects of, of rest and restfulness, but yet it also has action. And this, in fact, is what I've been trying to bring to you. There were friends at Capernaum that tore the roof off the building, and Jesus was in the house preaching. There's so many people packed into the house that they couldn't open the door. And so they opened up the roof and lowered their friend on, I guess, four ropes on four corners. A guy was paralyzed. And Jesus forgave him of his sins and then raised him up from the bed of affliction. And he, what he said was monumental. This is what I want to get over to you. Jesus saw their faith. Faith without corresponding action is dead. So faith is not just something that we just kind of step back and just get passive about. It's something that we are to step in and, and respond with God in. That's what the Zacchaeus, he didn't just stay passive and step back and just let Jesus pass through town. He, he said, I have to see Jesus. And he pressed through the crowd, climbed the tree. 
those friends that had their paralyzed friend, they thought, man, you know, uh, we can't get into the house, but we're not going to let that stop us. We're going to tear the tiles off the roof and lower them into the building. Imagine that room where they see tiles coming off of a roof, and then they see this guy being, you know, Jimmy through the, the opening and then roll. And, and I, I just keep thinking about that guy. He had great faith uh, with his friends. He's like, you know, there's, there's Sam, there's Bill, there's Scott, and there's Bernie, you know. And it's like, hey, guys, you know, you're going too fast, you know. And kind of, he could talk. So I imagine he was saying some things to those guys. But then he lowered, they lowered him into the crowd. I guess people got out of the way. What a special meeting that was that he got raised up. And I believe we're gonna have a special meeting tonight because in fact, in Hebrews it says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this isn't something from a bygone era. This isn't allegory. This isn't mythology. This isn't just to be written off and dismissed as one little brief moment to affirm Jesus' deity. He said these signs will follow those who believe. And he said, in my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. Signs and wonders are to follow us. In John's gospel, it says, uh, these works and greater works shall you do because I go to be with the Father. So we studied the works of Jesus and we see that we're actually created in Christ for good works. And that we are, in fact, assigned by God to do something called walk by faith and not just by how we feel. Listen, some of you may feel stale right now, maybe sour. Some of you may be wringing your hands with upset due to the nature of things around us. Global pandemic, the mudslinging of an election, uh, the attitudes of the division and the things like that. We can go on and on and on. I was talking with a friend, thinking about some of our stellar pop musicians with, you know, expendable cash, the best medical care. Uh, you know, living in palatial settings, but yet dying of fentanyl overdoses. Prince or Tom Petty, it just grieves my spirit. And, you know, I want to see the, the salvation of the Lord hit all the rank and file. And that's what I see in the Bible. Jesus would reach out to an up-and-outer like Zacchaeus or Nicodemus, and he would also, without hesitation or without reservation or without being patronizing or token, equally reach out to the woman with the hemorrhage or the leper that wasn't allowed to be in the crowd or the woman at the well that had five uh, boyfriends and was living with a guy and just, uh, you know, uh, he could have condemned her, he could have shamed her, but he ennobled her and he empowered her and he made her a winner. She became the winner of her city. How God was so merciful to Jonah who was rebellious toward the calling and ran the opposite direction of God's work and God mercifully I repeat, mercifully provided a fish to swallow him up in the water. And that's literal, by the way. I'm convinced that literally happened. And then he repented in, in Jonah chapter 2, had an encounter with God. Who wouldn't? You're in the belly of the fish? That'll get you praying. Except some people, even in the belly of a terrible circumstance, just even get, bemoan and, and get mad at God, and they blame God. But his ways are blameless. And so we need to see the way and the nature of God. You know, Zacchaeus climbed the tree and the townsfolk hated him because he was like, uh, he had no scruples in his business practices and he was putting burdens on people with, with uh, loan sharking and all these other kinds of things. And uh, he had hurt them. And, and they complained that he went to eat and drink with a publican and a sinner. And 
tax gatherer. And, he, you know, there's kind of a big by-the-way caveat that, oh, hey, hello, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So Nicodemus by night comes out and he's like, we could tell you're from God because of these miracles. And Jesus cracks open this amazing treasure of you must be born from above. That which is born of the flesh is just flesh, but there's a spiritual birth you can have. There's a new birth. I mean, this is good for the Buddhist world in Southeast Asia to know there's a personal God and to know you can have a relationship with him. This is for the people that got skewed on hallucinogenics and think that somehow that stimulation has opened up something spiritually. Listen, maybe it has, but there's a spiritual realm of demonic influence too, and, you don't, and the devil comes as an angel of light. So we need to be alerted to that so we don't take that bait and we go with God's word and we go with God's ways. God, teach us our ways, your ways, Lord, and help us. Our ways are not like your ways. Your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But as we get our minds on the scriptures, we see amazing things. Hallelujah. One time, John the Baptist experienced some doubt and I want you to go to Matthew chapter 11 because I appreciate the candor and the honesty of the Bible. It shows people in their process. It does, it's not like so many biographies that just kind of highlight all the great achievements. Uh, I appreciate the honesty of the scriptures. And John is struggling, and he, it says when Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Teaching and preaching was Jesus' remedy for all the doubt and unbelief in the world. The word is the solution to our problems. And when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? Now this is the person that was the voice crying in the wilderness, saying, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This is the one that baptized Jesus in the Jordan. This is the one that, that they came out to him. It's the opposite of marketeering. <laughs> he was out there eating locust and wild honey, and they went out to him. It was an electromagnetic, supernatural thing. And yet, in this moment of being in prison, feeling probably dejected, he was having a moment. And it's amazing that right here in plain view, this one who is the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets, John was greater than any of the preceding prophets, according to what the scripture says, and yet he even got stuck in a moment. He got his faith challenged, and Jesus didn't condemn him. Jesus answered and said to him, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. I love the substance and the manner with which Jesus answered. Jesus didn't go, I'm so hurt that you're questioning me. I don't even want to talk to you, talk to the hand. Jesus is not offended. Jesus, without losing a beat, <laughs> says, go and report to John. You know, who will believe our report and to whom the arm, has the arm of the Lord been revealed? There is a report in the Old and New Testament that is designed by God to produce faith and to build our faith. And I've been reading from all these New Testament accounts, but there are, you know, if you read Hebrews chapter 11, it itemizes people throughout history in their particular generation that 
shut the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, out of weakness were made strong, received promises, overcame. Yet here John the Baptist is stuck in, in a moment and he's even being challenged to question not only uh, his own role, but he's even wondering about the one he said, whose latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Uh, how many of you are encouraged by the fact that God lays this out here and then helps us to walk past all the minefield of all the darkness, all the oppression, all the fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear. And he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Many of us have been through a few things. Some of you are young and new. Some of you are not so young and not so new. But yet David said it this way, I was young and now I'm old. I, I, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's people beg for bread. And we just sang, you know, that he'll make a way. God will make a way. That's Danny Liston's wonderful song, many songs he's written. It comes from a heart of having been in substance abuse, having been in a, some rock and roll successes and having to see, see ups and downs in life. Those are well-forged, amazing, sincere songs and you sang it with passion. These truths that we see here articulate how important it is for us to not cast away our confidence. Let's go to uh, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and we're going to spend the rest of the time here. I've got just a moment here to communicate what I have on my heart for you. Uh, laid this foundation so you will stand on these promises. I think there's some people here tonight, physically, people here online, you feel like John is in prison, has nothing on you. It's like you feel like you're stuck. Jonah was in the, in the belly of the fish. And I read over and over again how God raised him up from the pit. I did a, a word study on how he redeems our life from the pit. That's in Psalm 103. That's one of the signature benefits that we're not to forget. How many of you have had God pull you out of the ditch a time or two? It's amazing how he is so good at redeeming our lives from the pit. One scripture says he's the glory and the lifter of our heads. And I think John was so down. And Jesus said, listen, man, report to him how the deaf hear, the, the lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised. And so here's what I want to read to you now. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Do not cast away, the King James says, cast not away your confidence, which has a great recompense of reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. This is paramount that we get this verse right now. We're in an hour where circumstances are grinding on people's thinking, pressurizing our society we're in. Yet, we have been brought into a kingdom which has, cannot be shaken. We serve a true and living God, and he is our refuge. And I take issue with those who have ridiculed religion as the opiate of the people. I suppose mind-numbing formalism can be called a numbing device. Uh, there's no numbing uh, except for the comfort of the Holy Spirit, but he comforts us in order that we will fight the good fight of faith. We, we don't get the option of avoidance. We're not allowed to ignore the problems of life. 
we face off with these things 100% reality-based. This whole movement is reality-based. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Truth can also be interposed as reality. This isn't a reality show. This is a reality existence. God has called us to face off with the world we're in without pretense. We look at it the way it really is, but then we also are required to not throw away our confidence, not give up, not give in, not shrink back. We have need of endurance so that when we have done the will of God, we, listen, may receive what was promised. There are general promises of the scriptures that we hold to for the whole course of our lives. There are specific things for each and every one of you in your destiny and your role in life that the Holy Spirit has been developing, that God has foreordained, that the purposes of God are all lining up, and that you and I and we must not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time we'll reap if we faint not. And so this is hardcore necessity that we fight the good fight of faith and cast not away our confidence. Uh, now it does say in Hebrews 12 to lay aside every weight and encumbrance and the sin that so easily besets us. And we're in a movement right now before our refreshing where we continue to repent and humble ourselves, be quick to repent and quick to ask forgiveness and keep a repentant heart, a humble heart. Put aside murmuring and, and ask God to forgive you every time and, and keep your attitude right, keep your attitude in check because the Lord's about to pour out something that's so significant and preparation is necessary. And one of the key components, however, that we're not to lay aside, not to forfeit, not to throw away, not to cast aside, is our confidence. And I wanna say this to you, if you turn the page to Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the sixth verse, because it says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. See, confidence has a great reward and seeking God has a great reward. Faith has a great reward and we're not to grow weary and we're not to forfeit, and even seeing John, aren't you encouraged by John saying, hey, can you ask Jesus if he's the one or if we're supposed to look for somebody else? A lot of religious people would become very judgmental toward him at this point, and a lot of people would go, what? That's just weird, man. But that's John the Baptist, and God intended for that to be laid bare in the scripture so we can see the occasions when those kinds of things try to come upon us and how we just have to understand that God's answer to it is, hey, the dead are raised, the blind eyes are open. I'll tell you, in our church, in the recent weeks, we've had visitors, and they've communicated with me, that their backs got healed, physical back healing, in the church while they were here in church. One guy said, I was glad I visited St. Louis when I came to St. Louis Family Church. I am too. They got their back healed. The same thing happened, a pastor, a Lutheran pastor from a very conservative denomination in Canada came here and he, he said, My I was preaching at a meeting at a conference they invited me in to speak to all the, these Lutheran leaders and he said, he raised his hand and I said, yes. He goes, I got healed during your worship service at your church on Friday night of my back. It's like, wow, how many of you have a back? You know, you need it to be healed. Uh, how many of you have ever tweaked your back? It's important. I mean, there's so many nerve endings back there. I don't know why there's so many, but I guess whatever, you know. And I just want to tell you that while I'm preaching, bodies will be healed. Because Jesus, in fact, has already provided the healing. 
and your faith level will grow and you'll be able to ascertain and take hold of that. Prostates, breast tissue, ovaries, all that stuff. Top of your head, soles of your feet, amen. And depression will lift. Healing will come. Cast not away your confidence. It's by faith. God is pleased with faith. Faith pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So then with faith, it's possible to please God. You know, I did a little study about pleasing God. And um, we're always trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Ephesians 5.10. This is what we're in fact doing tonight. We're trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And you know what pleases God? Us trusting him. He is trustworthy. It, tr it pleases me as a dad, and I could, say, I could speak for my wife too as their mom, that they know that we mean what we say, that we intend to provide for them, create meals for them, do what we can for them. And it would be super hurtful if they constantly came in and asked us, are you sure you're going to feed me? Are you, you know, and, and questioned our intent. We were like full on on it. I mean, we signed up for it, cranked out four babies, and uh, we, we meant it, you know. And God means what he's doing. God means what he says. He says what he means. Flat. You can trust him. And uh, I'll just tell you what faith is. It's a combination of several things. One, it's trust. It, faith enables us to approach the Lord with trust. There's a guy named James Province, and he's a great dad. And he, I remember, right here on this altar, his kids would get up here when they were little bitty, and it was the stage was about two feet higher. The platform was two feet higher. And he would do these trust falls with his kids. His kids would, they'd turn around and they'd fall, and he'd catch them. And uh, because James was trustworthy, they just grew up with that, and they would just, you know, I would even be around him talking to him, and they would throw themselves at him, and he'd have to catch him, and he'd say, not right now, you know. It was a funny thing. But then on the other hand, during sort of a, uh, we had a concert here, and uh, there was a band, there was a mosh pit, and David Moore got up here, and he ran up, and he jumped up off the stage, and instead of the people being like James and being trustworthy, the, it was like the parting of the Red Sea. And he flopped, boom, right there. It was one of the great memories of the church. Anybody remember that? I, I, yeah, you remember that? It was fantastic. Um, <laughs> so I will say in this example, God is trustworthy like the way the father was with his kids where you can just simply rely on him and um, you could say, Lord, I, I'm going to trust you. I trust you. Uh, in fact, that, that is the reoccurring verbiage of my prayer when things don't seem to reconcile and when I'm not feeling so great and when I'm upset with myself or I've been hurt by someone or the circumstances are grim. You know, I do say, God, you're, you're trustworthy. Your ways are blameless. You know, I had good teaching growing up and you, you don't need to blame God. His ways are blameless. So it's like, God, I, you know, whether you cause it or allow it, you listen, I know you're faithful. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy you, on the other hand, have come to give abundant life. And you hear an answer prayer. So I'm trusting you to the, that you're going to work this out and turn this around for the furtherance of the gospel. You know, what the enemy meant for harm, you're going to turn around for good. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, you guys know those verses, but I want them to be actualized in your life. 
I want it to drench your mind and get your mind renewed. I want it to produce a stability and a confidence on each and every one of you so that whatever you're going through right now, and I'm sensitive to, like some of you really have been in a rough place. And uh, John was in a really rough place. John the Baptist was in a really rough place there. He was in prison. He was about ready to be beheaded. I mean, and he was questioning his very life calling and who Jesus was. That's deep. And yet God delivered him and brought him through. And uh, he'll bring you through because he's trustworthy. Hallelujah. Number two, I love the word confidence. Confidence is so important. It's, the, it's not con artistry like a con man where it's false. We have a legitimate reason to have confidence in the track record of our God. This is, again, what Jesus said. Go tell him, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. We're not going to get offended. We're not going to blame God. We're not going to become bitter. We're going to keep trusting God because he's trustworthy. And we're going to maintain our confidence in God, and we are not going to cast away our confidence because it has a great reward. Confidence is key. Uh, faith enables us to approach the Lord with confidence. Hebrews 4.16 is one of my all-time faves. Draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Receive mercy and find grace to help. Think about that. We're to draw near to the throne with confidence, not cockiness. I'm, it's touchy for my personality to go and make my demands known to God because I just feel like God is so holy and so awesome. That I, I, tend to, I tend to want to revere him. I tend to not think about, hey, God, you know, I, I want this and I want that. That's really not what's being advocated. What God is advocating is that we come in and say, Lord, I have studied and I see your faithfulness throughout Genesis to Revelation. I see what you did for Zacchaeus and how you changed his life and reformed his mindset. I see what you did for the woman with the hemorrhage and how she was healed. And you said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. I see how you helped the, the centurion whose, whose servant was at home tormented and how you ministered to that guy from a distance and he came out of that affliction how you raised up Jairus' daughter, how you helped good old blind Bartimaeus to no longer be blind, the leper to be cleansed. You know, and I see, and God, based on all that, God, I have trust in you, and I have confidence in you. You told me to draw near to your throne with confidence to the throne of grace. And that's what I think about King David. King David drew near to the throne of grace when he had bitterly failed. And he went back to God and said, God, I sinned against you and I repent. And God said, thanks for being honest. And I'm, I'll raise you right back up. Even Jonah. Jonah said, God, I'm going to turn my attention back to your holy temple. And I'm going to rethink my attitude. And then the fish projectile vomited him back into the direction of his calling. Now, we don't want to be lukewarm and be vomited out of God's mouth. But we do want to go with God all the way to the end. And say this with me. I'm not casting away my confidence. See, I'm confident in the Lord. I'm confident. I'm not even confident in my ability to work the systems. I'm confident in the creator of the systems. I'm confident. I'm not even confident in all how sophisticated I pray. I'm confident in the one to, uh, that I pray to. I'm not confident in how I work the scriptures. 
I'm confident in the working of the scriptures. Does that make sense? So this could help you to be gain confidence. Our confidence is not in the abilities, cleverness, or ingenuity of man, but it's in God. In fact, Paul said, I, I, I didn't, when I preached, I didn't preach in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And it makes, that just really drives the point home how Jesus said, Jesus didn't try to go, oh, John, listen, in such and such a prophet said this, and I, I, would, I would live in Nazareth. Don't you remember he'd be born in Bethlehem? And he didn't go down in some sort of a technical litany. He said, uh, remind him that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers uh, are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have had the gospel preached to him. It's like, <laughs> you know, I, and I love that because that'll get you right back into confident faith. We know that God has promises that he's made and he is faithful. Hallelujah. He's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his word. And so we trust God. If you know somebody that's dealing with terrible sickness, like the centurion, somebody's at home and they're grievously vexed, we just keep believing God for him or for her, that they'll get a, a supernatural boost right now. We believe that we could pray and there's no distance in the spirit. There's no social distancing when it comes to coming before the Lord and trusting him for signs and wonders to occur. And I believe, in fact, these last two back healings were very, they were power and demonstration from just the, the graciousness of God. That's, in fact, I think uh, uh, the way things are going to be happening up in the upcoming days. There will be outbreak and a, a proliferation of the blessings of God all around us. And I, this is the reason I'm teaching these things and preaching these things is because you, in fact, need to be prepared to, to see signs and wonders follow you. These signs will follow those who believe. It's not something of our own human manufacture, but it, it does come from God's faithfulness and this amazing connection called faith. Faith pleases God. Faith is substantial. Faith is it's being fully persuaded. It, I'm preaching uh, not to uh, brainwash you. I'm not preaching to create mob mentality. I'm not trying to talk you in or out of something. But I am communicating with the intention of inducing belief and then stirring action in your personal belief so you could see great breakthrough. And you are so aware of this that you trust God more readily for the heartbreak and the brokenness and the injury and the bruised sickness and disease in the world all around us. You watch a news report and you put it on, on pause and you start praying for that whole country. I prayed for Sudan two days ago and God just did something great in Sudan. While I was praying, I got prompted to pray for Sudan. You know, God does that. We were praying and God led us over to Kosovo and the, the Serbians and the Kosovars and we saw for 20 years, if we don't do something about it, they'll be rearranging more strife and more fighting and now they just signed some sort of a peace agreement with one another you can't make this kind of stuff up well do you attribute that to your prayer do you attribute listen why would you bother to pray if you didn't think you get your prayers answered well that's kind of high uh, you know no it's trusting and, and seeing how how trustworthy God is and having confidence in his faithfulness Here's another thing, assurance, blessed assurance, having that assurance. Listen, we had this boating accident and we were visited by the U.S. Coast Guard 
and by the uh, lifeguards on Catalina Island. And then uh, we were, the helicopter took us from there to a hospital. And my friend was really near death. He had had an injury to his, his neck and uh, it's clipped an artery and he was, it, was, it was terrible. And I was laying there, I was injured pretty severely. We were both, we both came in uh, in critical condition. But as I was laying there and I watched these guys, this guy picked me up and put me on a wheelchair and I had enough wherewithal, I was conscious through the whole thing and I was trying to help him. He goes, no, 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 just let me do it. Let me do my job. And here's what he exuded. He exuded assurance. Hey, I got, I've got this. Everything's going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And I just watched them take the fear and the terror out of the room and bring assurance. They had been trained. They were there to help. And I, I put my hand on the guy's shoulder and he went, yes? I said, I just want to thank you. He goes, hey, it's just my job. You know, I saw, I saw a police cam video on the news. Maybe you did too, where a guy... I guess it was a drunk driver flipped over on the side of the road and the car was burning and there was a, the person was so out of it they weren't, weren't of their own volition coming out of the car. The man runs over with his, his uh, camera on his chest, reaches down with the fire very close to the passenger or the driver, pulls the person out of the car, drags him across the way to safety and uh, goes home and doesn't tell anybody about it. Nobody knew about it until the video was released officially, I guess, from the police department. He didn't tell his coworkers, he didn't tell his family, but I watched him bring assurance. He just had a level head when everybody else was freaking out or oblivious. I saw people driving down the highway and they're just like, you know, busy going to the store or whatever they were doing. And there were other people standing there and I guess they were drunk or whatever. He wasn't. And he brought amazing assurance that God, you know, in, his, in, in that moment, he, he just knew what to do. I'm telling you, in every moment, God knows what to do. And we can go to him in trust, we can go to him in confidence, and we can carry that blessed assurance. That's one of the great hymns in the church. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And um, we need to carry a constant assurance. I watch my wife, she's in faith and she assures herself and strengthens herself in the Lord. And when things get tough and things get tight, she's not in denial about the challenges of life, but she just refuses to allow them to seize her and sour her and take her down that dark road. And uh, so we continue to maintain a glad spirit. Another aspect of faith is courage. Courage is needed in this hour. That cop said, I don't regard what I did as, her as heroic. It was my job. I feel like it was what I've been trained to do. And it was very interesting. He's been a cop for 20 years. And I just watched him. It was a very interesting interview. He just humbly, he wasn't falsely humble. And he wasn't, he, he just, it was fascinating. And probably not, not many news people picked it up because everybody's busy with all the upsets of everything else. But it was actually quite significant. And in fact, it kind of modeled what I think believers are to be in these upcoming days, where we're to be spiritual paramedics and shock absorbers in this harsh world. During the Jesus movement, there were people that were there available in the wreckage of people's lives. And now we're again in a place where people are shipwrecked. They have no hope and they're without God in the world. And it's up to believers 
to build and develop their faith and grow in this amazing life approach where we are alert and ready in prayer. We're alert and ready to give. We're alert and ready to encourage. Uh, you know, I think about this guy that I've known since 1978, and he's praying for me 350 miles away and gets the scripture and through modern technology. In 78, we didn't have the means to text each other, but now he could just text me and tell me, hey, I got this verse for you, and it's hugely encouraging. Uh, the technology, when I was first born, TV was in its primitive stage. Now, of course, it's everywhere. And so there were no camera, body cams on cops. But now their body cams are, uh, I guess, an obligation now. And this body cam captured this moment where somebody that was not going to get out of the car and was going to perish in the flames got rescued from, from a guy that produced assurance. And I think there's something about this message that not only will stir you up for your own personal encouragement, but will alert you to the, and make you aware of the idea that God may want to use you to pray for somebody, pray for some nation, pray for a circumstance or a situation. You all have done this. There are people in here, you've prayed me out of the pit. You've helped me as a pastor. You've helped me and covered me, and I'm so grateful. And you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit to write a card People have written, you've written things to me. You didn't even know how significant it was. And I, so I'm just seeing it from my own personal observation. But I want to advocate, as I always do, that there are people out there that need what you have. And people are attached to your obedience. And that's why it's so important that we keep an attitude of confident faith and not cast it away. Because in due time, we'll reap if we faint not. We have need of endurance so that after doing the will of God, we may receive what was promised. I was over there in praise and worship. You know, we've contacted people in the church. Some are waiting until the numbers go down with the, this virus and all that kind of thing. But they're in my heart. They're in my prayers. I miss them. I think about them. I'm always, I'll ask my pastors on staff, hey, you know where so-and-so is? I'll call them. They, call them. they let me know. Yeah, they're at home. They're watching online. So God bless you guys. And eventually and inevitably, there's going to be a restoration. This thing's going to change. But what I'm believing God for is we're going to see an influx of people come into the kingdom, and it will be good for us to be solid and only strong and very courageous. Only be strong and very courageous is how Joshua and Caleb transitioned after Moses died and as they went in and obtained the promised land. I've been reading Joshua this last few days and how they're, now they're distributing all the properties in Hebron and the mountains and the giants are being defeated and the walls of Jericho fell down. And just how faithful God was, how trustworthy he was. And the reason they had confidence in him was because they kept their eyes on him. And the reason the other guys slipped is because they got their eyes off of him. Remember the tale of two trust falls. The one with James Province and the kids and then the one with the stage dive with David Moore. Just remember the crowd is not trustworthy, but the real dad was trustworthy. Well, that was good. All right, let's move on. Last point, faith is a verb. It's an action. Faith has a passive side, resting in the Lord, waiting on the Lord, but we need to mix what we hear with faith and then take action. And faith without corresponding action is dead. We receive it as a gift from God. It's a grace, but then... It also has that active side. And, 
It, it prompts action. It prompted action in Zacchaeus to run through the crowd and climb the tree. He had to see Jesus. It prompted Zacche uh, Nicodemus to ask questions of Jesus. It prompted uh, Bartimaeus to cry out and not give up until he got what he was believing for. Hebrews 11.33 tells us that faith, by faith they subdued, they, by faith they worked, by faith they obtained, by faith they stopped the mouths of lions. One scholar has stated that faith's inner conviction about God is always translated into action and results in a lifestyle through which the reality of faith is expressed. So here are my action steps for you as we finish and summarize this thing. Number one, here's what's needed in your life. Number one, identify your problem and issue. Uh, every one of the people I've been teaching on on Friday nights had a problem, but then they came to God and got an answer. Number two, find promises that correspond to your problem. Today, my wife and I prayed about specific things. She was helping me with all my scatter fire, and so uh, it was good for us to stay at it until we got some results, and then we got breakthrough. And I went to this, fa this famous verse in the book of Isaiah. I could tell you right where it is on the top of my page in my Bible, and I went and I reread that, and I took hold of it. In, in hope against hope, I believed. And by finding that promise, looking at it in the page, meditating it on it, meditating it, pondering it, that's number three, read, ponder, meditate, stand, and confess. You know, we meditate on the word. Me Listen, Christian meditation, Hebrew meditation, is not Eastern meditation where, you know, you cross your legs and you say, ohm, and you try to empty yourself. This is the opposite. You're, you're filling yourself up on God's word. You're feeding on God's word. You're looking at his word. I've been on aircraft with observant Jewish people who take their scriptures and they go back to the back of the plane. In fact, the captain said there'll be prayer time at such and such a time. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool that to honor prayer on an air, airline. And they were all in the back praying. And I just was, you know, I just was observing that and, they're, and what, how they're doing it. They're with the word, meditating on the word, speaking the word. I've been I've had the privilege of being at the Western Wall and uh, on a few occasions and watched people meditate in the Hebrew scriptures, studying, looking at it, pondering it. And as we do, number four, we hold out in praise and thanks and worship till we get the breakthrough. Hallelujah. Don't throw away your confidence, which has a great recompense of reward. In fact, let's all stand up right now. And if you're at home, don't stand up if you're driving. But if you're at home, in fact, how, why would you be watching this while you're driving? I hope you're just hearing it. But let's all stand up on our feet. Say this with me. I am confident that he that has begun a good work in me will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. God is at work in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. These signs will follow those who believe. In his name, they cast out demons. They speak with new tongues. They lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, we believe, therefore we speak. And let me say this, if you're not a believer, 
and you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, you may believe in him. You may say, oh, I believe there's a God. I did growing up. My brother and I, we believed in God. Our, our parents taught us there was a God, and I, I believed there was a God, but it was so ambiguous. It was so vague. I didn't understand it. When we experienced religious services, it just went right over my head until I ran into a wide-awake Christian, a couple of people, actually. They communicated this in such an essential way that I realized it was truth and it was real and that it was accessible and that my life could be changed. And so what happened was I took action. I heard about Jesus and faith was roused. And um, how could they believe if they've never heard? And when I heard about it and I saw the example and the sincerity, the intent of their eyes, the focus, their, their manner, it just was compelling. And I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I, I prayed and asked him to come into my life. And you know, that was decades ago. And he has been so faithful. I want to tell you, I want to, I want to recommend him to you. I want to encourage you to call on him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, that's Jesus, will be saved. There's salvation in no other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the real deal. When John said, should we look for somebody else or are you the real deal? He said, the, the, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. The biggest miracle of life is the miracle of a new birth. And that's more important than a back healing. You can have your back healed and still go on sinning and living away from God. But man, getting your heart right, then everything else is centered. Ask Jesus to come into your life right now, and he will save you. And oh, by the way, Jesus also bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. And I pray for a breakthrough of healing, a burst of healing in this room right now, in the loved ones you have at home, and in your own personal context, wherever you go, I believe you're gonna see great results. My next door neighbor told me he's an atheist and he had injured his shoulder. And before I realized it, I found myself laying hands on him. He was like, and, and he got healed. He said, man, yeah, I, got, I got healed. You know, and it's like, you know, hallelujah. And uh, that's fantastic. Because you just don't, when you start, you just love people and you want them to be well. You hate to see people suffer. God's not sadomasochistic. He doesn't relish seeing people all messed up and mixed up. He sent Jesus to redeem us. And he, he gave us, he said, if we lack wisdom, we can have it. Let's just believe God right now for a big dose of wisdom. God, I pray for wisdom on every person in this room about decisions they need to make, about uh, opportunities that are set before them. God, about the particulars of our days up ahead. I pray you heal our country. God, I'm grateful Sudan made some adjustments with Israel. I break, I'm grateful for, he, for, for healing in the, in the uh, uh, Middle East. I'm, I pray, God, for the healing in the United States. I pray for a great, great harvest of souls, and I pray for a great move of the Holy Spirit on these prepared, trained, equipped, deployable, mighty champions. I speak blessing over each one of these guys in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.